Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. When I went in, felt the yanking of the Holy Spirit, and I said, my father, what do you want me to say to Numa on this specific occasion? Because there are equally valid ways in which you can minister. There's an appropriate word. There's a teaching word. There's a pastoral word. There's an evangelistic word. There's all sorts of ways you can minister, even prophetic words in the general sense. But there are times when the Holy Spirit says, I want to speak now on this. And it was one of those moments, I haven't preached this anywhere else. This is raw out of the oven. Uh, not raw. How can you get raw out of an oven? Right. Um, <laughs> But as clear as anything I could imagine, when I said, Father, what do you actually want to say? This phrase came into my spirit. The fruit and the purpose. The fruit and the purpose. Everything God does has both fruit and purpose. Now, what you have been living in the last few weeks has been extraordinary. There's nobody, if they're in their right mind, that could debate God has turned up. There's been an invasion of the Holy Spirit. People's lives have been changed. People's lives have been set free. People's lives have been transformed. People's lives have been healed dramatically, empowered. It's been extraordinary. And what is it? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit invading a people. And so it's glorious. But as I was thinking about that and just celebrating it all, my own son, Steve, uh, um, is well known to you. He's part of the house. Uh, um, and he and Sally have been bubbling over like this, this geyser. Uh, um, you know, oh, 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 you won't believe what happened to the service. Oh, 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 you know, and, and you know, I, I keep, when they, when they've come to one of your revival nights and then they hit our place, it was like Moses coming out of the mountain, you know, the face shone. Um, and so I've been rejoicing in it. It's been extraordinary. But for everything God does, there is fruit and then this purpose. And the fruit is not the purpose. The purpose is not the fruit. You cannot confuse these two. I want to read to you something I stumbled on. Well, I didn't stumble. Obviously, the Holy Spirit meant me to read it. But as I was praying on this, I, I, I went, uh, went up and I casually opened this um, Bible given to me like, I don't know, 15 years ago that I'd never opened uh, or, or really had opened a uh, um, thing about this size, you know, and about that thick uh, um, with commentaries in it and that sort of thing. And I didn't even know why I was opening it. And, and I opened it up and this is what I read. It was, a, it was something written about 1970 or something about the Indonesian revival and they had meetings very similar to what you've been experiencing over the last few weeks. And someone recorded what the result of those meetings were. And let me read it to you. 
The Presbytery in Timor examined the impact of these revival nights, etc. In the nation of Timor, in the 12 months after those meetings, between 64 and 65, here's what they found. 80,000 people were converted to Christ. 40,000 were previously communists and the rest were heathen. They also found that some 15,000 people were permanently healed. Church attendance right across the island of Timor, even in churches that were lukewarm and waning, suddenly exploded into life and people got saved by the bucket load. They raised up evangelistic teams. In fact, there were 72 in three years, 72 different evangelistic teams just sprung up with no financial support whatsoever and the number of saved in Timor went to 200,000 people in three years. Why? What happened? The fruit found its purpose. The fruit of revival had accomplished the purpose of revival. Now, I'm going to spend a good amount of time in the Word today, and I, I don't, no apology for that. How many love the Word? The Word of God is powerful. Don't ever fall into the trap of waiting for the preachers to start saying something amazing about the Word. Just listen to the Word. Acts chapter 2, which some of you know off by heart now. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And what you have there is incredible unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. Not tongues of fire. More settled on more tongues. Listen. Literally, they looked like tongues, but they were on fire. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate to them this anointing and empowerment you're about to receive needs to hit your speech. It's going to touch your speech. And so later on, when they began to speak in all different languages, they suddenly connected, oh, this is that, because it appeared as tongues on fire. Nothing's in the Word by accident, people. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak by the tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay. Here we have the greatest day of visitation in life of the church. In fact, it was the very birth of the church. And the fruit of this invasion of the Holy Spirit was quite incredible. Let's get a hold of it. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages, uh, things of that nature. And, and there was miracles and signs and wonders. And there was transformation. Yeah. They, they were transformed by it. They just didn't have a glorious meeting, but they were actually changed. They were transformed. You've got a case of Peter who was a, you know, kind of waffling guy, uh, impetuous, and, and then denied Jesus three times a year. You know, he, Dropkick, um, 
you know, you know, tested the patience of Jesus to the max, right? Now, that same guy experienced that upper room and was utterly transformed and came out as the apostle of faith. So transformation was taking place. The fruit was amazing. But for everything, God does. There is both fruit and purpose. And the purpose of the upper room was Acts chapter 241. Then those who gladly received his, that is Peter's word, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were saved. Incredible harvest. Friends, the purpose of visitation is harvest. Now, I could repeat that 17 times and still repeat it another because the purpose of revival is always harvest. The purpose comes out of the fruit. The fruit is carried into the purpose. Now, the real reason I'm specifically here this morning, because anybody, you probably believe what I'm saying already. Many of you do. But there's a moment in time when a fundamental decision is made. And the disciples in the upper room came to a moment of decision. And I'm telling you something, friends, now that I've been preaching now for 56 years or something. And I have seen revival and revivals and revivals. I've seen nights of visitation and nights of visitation. I've seen them. I've heard about them. I've investigated them. And even many of those before my time that I looked up and studied. And I can't find one visitational revival such as you've been experiencing here. I cannot find one of those that did not come to this point of decision. Every single visitation of God will come to this decision moment. Every one of you is an individual that experiences the overwhelming visitation of God individually or as a family or whatever. You will come to this point of decision. Every single one of you business people who have been blessed in your business and God has swept in and made you successful, you will come to this moment of decision. And here it is. The room or the street. The room or the street. The disciples had just experienced the most extraordinary visitation of miraculous. But they were then faced with a decision, do we stay in the room or not? Do we, in this glorious place of visitation and tongues of fire, uh, this place where we've been dramatically changed, we've been transformed, we've been empowered, my goodness, it's a gateway of heaven. I mean, can you just imagine what it was like in that upper room? Incredible. Incredible. The only thing not moved were concrete pillars. I mean, everything in there was saturated in the Holy Ghost. 
Why, why can we not linger here for days, weeks, months, years? Why can't we just stay here? We're under the spout where the glory comes out. We're, 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 this is visitation. The room or the street? Friends, the room was the power, the enabling. The room was the transformation of the individual and the empowerment of the individual. The street was the purpose. The street was the objective. And as they spilled out of that upper room into the sea of humanity, the church was birthed and history was transformed. Friends, hear me clearly. History was not changed with a visitation of the Holy Ghost in the upper room. That's what transformed the disciples. What transformed all of history was the decision to get out of the upper room onto the streets. I wonder what history would have recorded if they had decided to stay in the room. They went out of there so empowered, so miraculous that thousands were getting saved and Timothy went to India and all India, you know, came under the power of God. The fruit and the purpose. Everything God does, there's both the fruit and the purpose. Can you say amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because, because there's always a purpose. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, he to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to tell you what, I guarantee there's a few dozen, hundred, or whatever it's been here, in, right here, in Revival Nights, I've had all, the oil of joy for mourning, have, who, who, who have been transformed into the garments of praise. Now read the next word, that. All of what I've just read, that, the word that means in order to achieve, that they may be called trees of righteousness. Now I'm emphasizing that for a point because it doesn't say the trees of righteousness. It actually reads the trees of righteousness. The emphasis on the word trees the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified and they shall. That's purpose. That's objective. That's doing. Rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Friends, what we're reading about is a transformation of society. Moral and spiritual ruins and desolations and cities and generations transformed. How? By, by, by people in society being able to eat of the tree 
that has become who you are, laden with the fruit of the Spirit because you've experienced a transformation and revival of the Holy Ghost and you're spilling out onto the streets and people are touched by the power of God in you. Everything God does has a purpose. Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Never forget that his word will always be the center of his presence. And in his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So it's not one thing or the other. You've got to have the river. You've got to have the life. You've got to have the water of the Holy Ghost, the river of God flowing. Be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does, does, active, shall prosper. Here's some Irish wisdom for you. A tree is not only known for looking pretty with fruit. It's got a purpose. Every fruit-bearing tree has a purpose. Feed people. Feeding people. James 2.18, I'll show you my faith by my works. That which he does shall prosper. James 2.20, but do you want to, I'm sorry, I don't want to be offensive, but right now I've got a flash picture I didn't get in the first service, but if you work, if you work in a garage filled with cussing, swearing, normal people, and you tend your lunchtime in finding an isolated place so you can be apart from them and spend the hour in the heavens. Listen carefully to me now. Spend the first four or five minutes there and then get back to where God's planted you. Tree's not there. That tree doesn't bear fruit so it can be pretty. It's for hungry people. Now, there's an experience in the, in the Old Testament. Prophets often saw, and I, I, I can communicate with it because I, I see things in picture form. And Ezekiel saw pictures as a prophet, and God used to use very natural things to communicate spiritual truth. Uh, and like, for instance, a throne would always speak about the dominion of God, that sort of thing. And in Ezekiel 47, pick up in verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. He's having a vision here. The temple spoke about the dwelling place of God, where God's throne was. And there was water. Jesus made it quite clear that rivers shall flow out of your innermost being. This he spake of the Spirit. So here we have flowing Ezekiel is seeing the river of God, I want you to get a hold of this, flowing out of the presence of God. 
And verse 3, and when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. What's that? That's um, getting my feet wet, but nothing much else. Um, you know, maybe turning up to church once a month kind of appease the conscience a little bit, <laughs> but, you know, not much else. Um, verse 4, again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Ooh, now I'm starting to get serious. I, I, I actually might start attending church every Sunday. Uh, then again he measured 1,000, and he brought me through. The waters came out to my waist. Oh, my goodness, it's getting out of control. I, I'm going to have to get to the prayer meetings. Again he measured 1,000, and it was a river I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. So he's talking about revival, visitation, Holy Ghost, upper room. <laughs> Have you ever been in a meeting where the power of God was so strong that you felt the current was taking you off your feet? Yeah, I know, because I've heard the stories. Some of you, it was quite literal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible visitation of God. That's what he's speaking here. That's what he's showing Ezekiel here. Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. There's always going to come a time of fresh commission when you have experienced the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side or the other. We have already established that trees prophetically and biblically are the people of God, the saints of God. There were many trees on one side or the other. Then he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed or literally its waters become healing or gain their healing properties. It's the flowing of the river into the sea that keeps them alive with healing properties. And the sea has always spoken of the sea of humanity. Always. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river go, everybody says the word go. Go, wherever it goes will live. There'll be a very great multitude of fish, 3,000 saved in a day, because these waters go there. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe you can send words by the Holy Ghost into region and town. I believe that fiercely. But there are times when God, when you're praying, you say, Lord, do something about that place, that God might be just saying, why don't you do something about that place? It's wherever they went. Along the bank of the river, verse 12, on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. 
Fruitful saints, their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. They'll bear fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. That's the reason why, because the, the river of God, because we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it because we're filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. The fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Friends, listen to me. I'll read it again. The fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. The fruit is not for the enjoyment of the tree. It's for the accomplishing of God's purpose, the healing of the nations. Now, my friends, I would like at this stage just to stop, hand the microphone back and say, nice being here. But we skip verse 11. And verse 11 says, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They'll be given over to salt. Are you kidding me? All these verses of blessing and glory and harvest and healing and power. And verse 12 onwards, it carries on. And why would you spoil the whole thing by putting verse 11 in there? Because it's necessary. My friends, when I was a young Christian, I read this for the first time. I was bewildered, perplexed, upset. Why? Because I couldn't get my head around the fact that a river that could bring blessing and revival and healing and transformation wherever it goes, how could that same river end up as a swamp? Oh, I thought, that's not possible, Lord. And then I looked up what a swamp and a marsh were. And probably, is it up there? Yeah, okay. A swamp is an area of low-lying land. I nearly said flying. <laughs> a low-lying land that is frequently flooded due to receiving much water, but without an outlet or feeding a river. A marsh is a tract of waterlogged soil that becomes treeless. Here's an interesting thing, my friends. If you go to swamps in Louisiana and places like that, there's plenty of foliage. There's reeds, rushes, all sorts of stuff. The one thing that you will not find is a fruit-producing tree. They'll be turned over to salt. Speaking of the judgment of God, talking about the lifelessness, nothing grows in salt. And when I was 19 years old, I came into the wonderful things of God. I, I was one of the very first YWAMers and spent three months in the Fiji. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful what God will do when you know nothing? When, when your brain hasn't been conditioned. We saw that many miracles because we simply didn't know any better. We figured if it was in the Bible, it must be true. So, you know, I remember coming, oh, time. No, this is the second service. I can tell stories. And, but, I mean, we've got to get them back to the rawness of faith. The rawness of faith. We came back home one night, the team, and it was pitch black, no moon, and we realised that 
to get home was going to be a long trek around, and, 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 and there was this big ravine um, where the tr railroad tracks had gone over it, but that was long since abandoned, and the sleepers were all crumbling and all that sort of stuff. And, and as we came past that, and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face hardly, and the phrase came to my mind, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Oh, cool. How good is that? Come, guys, we'll just take the shortcut. What do you mean? We can't see it, let alone walk on it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. So let's go. And we just walked across the... You know what? Not one person missed one sleeper. And it wasn't until two or three years later when I got all proper and religious that I realised I could have died. <laughs> God loves rawness of faith. Yes. And so I came back from there and the church I was part of was having revival. It was amazing. The visitation of God was extraordinary. And I was out every night of the week and I was under the spout where the glory comes out and I was saturated. Man, I was oozing, I tell you. And, and I, it was amazing. And then about five or six months later or something like that, I suddenly realised that I was two people. I, I, I was in the meetings. I was, I was levitating almost, not quite. But I, I was, you know, it was incredible. But my personal life inside in the quiet moments of the night when I was alone were contradictory. And as a 19, 20-year-old young man, I was failing areas of humanity and I was cast down in condemnation. And I remember crying out one night because I so loved my father. And I cried out. I said, I don't understand, Lord. My whole life is going to be, I can't go to anymore. I, I'm, I'm, anything they announce, I'm there, Father. I said, what's the solution to this? And as soon as I said it, I didn't know I was called to a prophetic in those days, but I saw my very first, uh, um, one of my first uh, pictures that I get all the time now, but I, I saw that this vivid picture like, like a TV screen almost. And, and I saw this incredible river pounding down full of light and it went over the edge of this cliff and struck the valley below and it cleared all the debris out and all the muck out and formed this glorious uh, lagoon and pool full of sparkling water. And I said, ooh, like that. And then he grabbed me by the hand and we, he took me away. And then he returned me back. Now, it was only a few seconds in my mind, but I knew what he was telling me, that that represented the six or seven months that I'd just I'd been experiencing. And he brought me back to the pool. And it was all green and slimy. It was horrible. You'd never want to drink from it. And I said, Father, that's what's happened to me. But Why? What's the answer? As soon as I said, what's the answer? I've never forgotten it to this very day. This giant fist came out of the heavens and just went boom, right into the side of that pool, 
blasted a big hole in it and the water streamed out of the pool down the hill and began to water the plants and all that sort of stuff downhill. And the river, which had become just a little trickle, suddenly accelerated. And now I was looking at this scene where the water in this river was so powerful, plunging down, swirling around in the pool, but it was actually going out of the pool at the same rate as it was coming in. And the water was sparkling and clear. And then he spoke to me. And it was an almost, not quite, but almost audible voice that was that strong. He said, my Holy Spirit is a river, not a lagoon. My Holy Spirit is a river, not a lagoon. My friends, it's a personal word for some of you right now. It's a word for some of you as individuals, marriages, uh, businesses. It, it, you, listen to me because it's, it's a non-negotiable in God. The river must flow. If it doesn't flow out, it can't flow in. And what you've got already will change. Everything God does has a purpose. The room was for the power, the enabling, the transformation. The street was the purpose. And so I said, Father, is that it? He says, no. Because now I want to speak into the future. Don't, yeah, relax. It's only going to be two or three minutes. I said, Father, if you were to speak to individuals, marriages, families, and to the church, collective, corporate, that is Numa, what would you say from here forward? And he gave me the word commissioning. 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 Every one of you is unique. Every one of you has your own calling, but you've all got this one thing in common. You are called to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Ghost, impregnating society and bringing transformation and change in the places of influence that God Almighty has given you. You're all called to carry the fruit of your Holy Spirit encounter, the transformation, the empowerment, to the lost of society and the nations of the world. The river must flow into the sea to stay a river of life. The word for you is commission. Commission. And I believe as individuals, some of you as fresh marriages, some of you as business people, but certainly to, as a people of God together, the word is commission. And I believe as you look with fresh eyes upon the harvest, as you look as with fresh eyes upon what can be accomplished by the power of God through you, quite remarkable and amazing things will take place because God is not withholding. God is not in any way confused. God is not withdrawing. God is not limited. God is wanting to bring transformation to society. We might live in a... Got to be careful my speech but we might be living secularly in an environment that's influenced by evil, but I'll tell you now, light overcomes darkness. And the, the power of the Holy Ghost is such that when you flow out as a river of God, you will bring transformation. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.com.